first of all, welcome, Robert W. Sullivan IV. Um, explain everything that you do, because you have quite a lot of credentials. You're a lawyer, you're a Freemason, you're an author and a speaker. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 um, I, I'm a lawyer here in Baltimore, Maryland. I've also written and published uh, five books, uh, the first of which is called The Royal Arch of Enoch, The Impact of Masonic Ritual, Philosophy, and Symbolism. Then I have three books out uh, analyzing esoteric imagery in popular culture and pop films and popular movies. And I also have a work of fiction out called A Pact with the Devil. Um, all these books are readily available on all the major online you know, retail sites. Amazon, Barnes and Noble books a million. They're in the print form and ebook form, uh, except for the work of fiction. The ebook uh, that'll be coming out probably in the er probably early 2024. Um, and I'm working on other material right now. I'm currently working on uh, Cinema Symbolism Four. Uh, that'll probably be out in 2025. And I'm also looking to do a couple um, update some of the earlier editions. I'm going to do a Royal Arch Third Edition and a Cinema Symbolism Third Edition and a Cinema Symbolism Two. That'll be a second edition. I'm also working on some other works of fiction as well. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I, I've got the, some of the notes here from the, the books that you've written already. And uh, I, did, I do think it's interesting to note that uh, the reason that, because I noticed none of your books are available on uh, Audible. And the reason for that you explain is because uh, you want people to see the symbolism. And so you, there's a lot of illustrations and pictures that go along with these books. Right. I mean, it would be, it would be almost impossible to put these books in, in audio, um, because so much of it is image generated. Um, I mean, this is really true of cinema symbolism Four. this one's probably going to have more images than, than any of the others. But I mean, if I'm describing something or there's a scene or something in a scene, and I include the image, you know, you have to see it. Um, so I, I've been asked that question before and it's, my answer is, I don't think audio would really be feasible because you really need some, a lot of the material in the book is you need to, it's visual. You need to actually see the image to understand it right it makes sense okay so yeah we have a lot to talk about but let's talk about let's start with the freemason stuff because that was something that i've kind of been interested in learning about and uh, i've just been able to find you know i tried to find documentaries on it and uh, things on youtube and there's just not a lot of information in it um but can you explain so that why did these things these lodges start what, what was the point because they're secret they started as a secret lodge right what was the point of why not make it open like the Catholic Church and all these other things, right? Well, it, it it it's its actual origins, where this thing comes from, is actually unknown. Um, actually, no one knows where it you know where it really comes from. Uh, we know that at some point in time, at some point in time during the Middle Ages, you had these Masonic guilds popping up. Um, you know, and the and the these were um centered around actual architects, actual stonemasons, and they had lodge meetings, and eventually they they started in, including people who weren't stonemasons, lawyers, doctors, and, and they became very popular. Um, the thing has a very mixed history. Um, depending on who you listen to, there's really two main, you know, schools of thought on this. I mean, it really, you know, I mean, one is it goes, you know, th th there's clearly evidence that, um, you know, that the medieval cathedrals clearly stem from some sort of, you know, operative masonry guild craftsmen. Um, some people take masonry back to the Bible with the building of uh, the Tower of Babel. Uh, you get into things like the pyramids in Egypt. Um, you know, this is sort of the traditional history that's laid out of Freemasonry uh, by a guy named James Anderson, who writes the Constitutions of the Freemasons in 1723. Um, 
Then you have another school of thought, um, and this comes a little later, this comes in the 1730s by this guy named Andrew Michael the Chevalier Ramsay, who says that Freemasonry comes from this group of medieval warrior Roman Catholic knights called the Knights Templar. Um, and this is where Freemasonry comes from. And it, it's this amalgamation of the old mystery religions uh, that the Templars, in, in, you know, in, you know, encountered during their time in the Holy Land in, in, in the Middle East. Uh, things like the Osirian mysteries or the rites of Eleusis or the rites of Mithras, things like that. Um, so wh where it actually comes from, really, you know, it's just speculation. Um, you know, no one actually knows. Um, it becomes very popular, the, these lodge meetings with, with, the, with the craftsmen. And it's really in 1717 that masonry officially comes into the comes onto the scene in the history books uh, when when the lodges are organized in London, England, and this is the creation of the first Grand Lodge. Um, so that so you know and 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 it, it is it's um, one of the things my my book um, kind of did the first book was and this is kind of the 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 you know sort of the line the the philosophy that when I went through it was you you know it was basically that you know any sort of conspiracy or this that and the other was just just all talk don't pay attention to it if you actually do the research into it I mean you'll find that Masonic symbolism I mean it's very rich it was used to craft the United States um and it's very powerful um and you know if, if you get the eye for it you can really see a lot of Masonic imagery in you know you know not only in the actual architecture places like Washington I mean you'll see it with Union College You'll see it with you know a lot of the state seals and logos. Certainly, the architecture of D.C. Baltimore has it, which is where I am. Um, the triple division of governance governance in the United States comes out of the Masonic Blue Lodge. Um, so there is a very, especially in the United States, a very um, powerful and potent Masonic symbolism uh, pre prevalent throughout its history and you know material culture. Um, you know, as it forms, it's just a secret society. Um, anyone can join it. Um, any male can join it. It's open to men only. Um, the only real, real criteria to join it is you have to be, um, you have to believe in a supreme being. Uh, you can't be atheists. You can't be an atheist. So, um, you know, essentially, if, if you're not an atheist, you can join Freemasonry. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's just, it just conducts all its meet meetings in secret. Um, and it's just been that way since time immemorial. So nobody knows who is at the top of this. Cause right. Isn't there certain, there's an initiation ceremony. And then there's different different levels. Like you don't know everything, depending on what level you're at. You don't know all the different things at, at the top. There's secrets that you don't get that aren't revealed to you until you become that highest level Freemason, right? Well, sort of. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, when when you join a Blue Lodge, you go through the first three degrees, um, which is entered apprentice, fellow craft, master mason. Um, after that, there are two high degree bodies that are open to you. Um, in the United States, at any rate, the York Rite and the Scottish Rite, which essentially continues the Masonic education, um, your Masonic education, and and you're you're correct. I mean, if you didn't do those those lodges, or if you didn't join those higher degree bodies, yeah, I mean, there, there's things that um, wouldn't be, uh, you know, you wouldn't know um, if you didn't join them. I mean, you might have heard, you know, you might have read a book on it or something, but you know, I mean, you know, you wouldn't have gone through the ritual. I mean, and this is sort of what I write, you know, my book. This is what one of the things that you know, sort of this, what I get into in my book is um, one of the things that I think really makes the high degrees so important is, and, and this is again, really sort of the main thesis of, of the first book is um, the, the high degrees, um, the York Rite and the Scottish Rite sort of finish the Masonic story. Um, when, you, when you get into the Blue Lodge, the, the whole thing revolves around this thing called the lost word of a master mason. Um, the, the third degree ritual 
uh, is about this architect of Solomon's temple named Hiram Abiff, and he had possesses something known as <clears throat> the Tetragrammaton, which is the name of God. Uh, make a long story short, he's murdered um, by three fellow crafts, and the word is lost, um, hence the lost word of a master mason. Um, and this is, of course, what all the Blue Lodge Masons are always running around looking for, this lost word of a master mason. Um, if, if you get into the high degree bodies, the word is actually recovered. Um, it's found. Um, and it's actually at the very end of the, it's, it's actually the highest degree in masonry. It's the 13th of the Scottish Rite, the 7th in the York Rite, where this lost word of a master mason is finally located. And it's sort of the end of the Masonic story. It's kind of like the Holy Grail being found or, you know, the quest for the Golden Fleece, what have you. Um, of course, if you didn't go through the high degrees, this would be unavailable to you. Um, so in that aspect, yeah, that's true. Um, and again, this is sort of uh, what I wrote the first book about, because it, it really, when you look at it and you analyze it, th this high degree body called the Royal Arch of Enoch is really what I would describe as the ritual that the United States, by and large, is being crafted around. Right, because the people that founded this country were all Freemasons, right? Yeah, most of them were. Uh, most of them were Freemasons. Certainly, a, a lot of the founding fathers, the signers of the Declaration of Independence, were. Um, a lot of the signers of the United States Constitution were. The guy, the guy who really takes it and runs with it, um, is a guy who comes after Washington. Uh, a guy named Dewitt Clinton. Uh, he's the former mayor of New York. He's the former governor of New York State. He's really the guy who uses Freemasonry to craft the nation around, or vice versa. He uses Freemasonry to um, essentially create the two political two polit two party political system that we have. He's really the guy more than the others, I would say, except for maybe Washington, who is sort of like the Masonic godfather of the country. It's really Clinton um, who is, you know, is the driving force behind uh, masonry turning the United States into a, you know, quote unquote Masonic Republic. So there's, there's not somebody at the top or council at the top that's running all these lodges like is in charge of the whole thing. No, no, that's a, that's a, that's a fallacy because, um, in the United States, there's no, there's no central grand lodge. Um, the, each state is of, a, you know, runs itself. Um, there's no like grand lodge of the United States with someone over them. Um, each grant, each state is run by a grand lodge. So I'm here in Baltimore, Maryland. So I'm under the aegis of the Maryland grand lodge. Hmm. The Pennsylvania grand lodge has no authority over me. Um, now it could, if, you know, it could, it could recommend something to the Maryland Grand Lodge, but each lodge of each state runs the state independently, um, and is answerable to no one over uh, above and beyond that. Um, and again, there's, there's no relation. I mean, there's a relation, but there's no authority with the, 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 the you know, the Grand Lodges in England that was all broken off in 1776. So, you know, outside of the state Grand Lodge, there's no, you know, higher thing other than that. Okay. So then explain the connection with the Illuminati. Cause that's something that that word gets thrown around a lot and all these conspiracy theories. But from what I understand that the uh, Illuminati was something that was started by a guy who didn't want to join Freemasons or couldn't join it, wanted to do his own thing. And so it's something separate, right? Right. We, it, again, it's, it's somewhat of a murky history. Um, and again, you have to know, you got to go back in time a little bit to kind of understand this. The, the, the Illuminati, the, the historical one, was created by a guy named Adam Weishaust at the, Adam Weishaust up at the University of Ingolstadt in 1776, um, and it is it's it's a Masonic Jesuit spinoff as as it were, and it, it does include a lot of Freemasons. Um, 
it 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 doesn't exist as it did back then. Um, if you want to say it has reemerged, the closest thing you could probably find to it, and there is some compelling evidence with this, is that it's skull and bones at Yale University. That's probably the closest thing you would find in modern day to the Bavarian Illuminati. Um, but it, it, it's defunct. I mean, it, it definitely goes out of business. The 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 there is a decided nexus, um, and again, this is where you get into this murky waters um, between Freemasonry and the Society of Jesus, uh, because it's the Society of Jesus that who who are responsible for the high degrees of Freemasonry, um, and it's cultivated by the Jesuits as part of the Counter Reformation. Um, if you don't know what that is. Um, the Jesuits in the in the in the 16th century were charged with the destruction of Western civilization and essentially the destruction of the, of the Protestant world. Um, and they use in the 17th century Freemasonry as a vehicle, um, especially specifically in these high degrees. They come out of Paris, France in the uh, 1740s, 1750s. Um, and their sole purpose is to restore the Stuart pretenders uh, back to the throne of England. Um, and it is essentially this nexus between the Freemasons and the Jesuits, which definitely does exist, that is all but responsible for every conspiracy out there, whether it be the Illuminati, 9-11, the Lincoln assassination, the Kennedy assassination, you know, that that's really where, where a lot of this comes from. Um, there is a lot of truth to it, though. Um, and again, this is what I think makes it such an interesting subject. A lot of people say, oh, it's just conspiracy theory. When you break it down and look at it, there is some really, um, you know, kind of, you know, hidden things that make you sit back and you share, oh, wow, you know, I didn't know that. Um, and, and, you know, even, even in, in the cultivation of the United States with masonry and the Jesuits, I mean, you'll even see it, um, you know, you know, right. You know, you'll see it alive and well. I mean, for example, um, the, the, the property that Washington DC was built on was owned by Daniel Carroll, um, uh, prominent Freemason. Uh, his brother was John Carroll, who was a Jesuit and the first, uh, archbishop in the United States, Baltimore Basilica. And of course he found, founded Georgetown university, which is, one of the reasons why the Jesuit school is locked within the Masonic federal district. It's again, it's a nexus between the society of Jesus and the Freemasons. Hmm. So then what do you think is going on at Bohemian Grove? What, what is your uh, theory on that? Cause that's, is really fascinating to me. There's all these theories uh, that it could be part of Freemasons could be part of Illuminati could be something totally different. I mean, there's definitely some, some weird ceremonies and things going on in that, uh, place and now i think they're a little bit bigger on security because alex jones breached it filmed what was going on and they said oh we were just joking around yeah i mean i mean there's really there's really no nexus with it between freemasonry and and i mean and the bohemian grove um i mean it does conduct sort of what you would call bizarre ritual um and it certainly does you know i mean i've seen the video of it as well i have some books here on bohemian grove um and it is it's basically like a like a uh what I would describe as, you know, a playground for the elites. Uh, that's really what it is. They do the midsummer ritual, you know, the cremation of care ritual with the mock human sacrifice. That's clearly what it looks like, you know, with the owl statue there, which many think is is, is a, uh, you know, stand in for Moloch. Um, but that there's really no, I mean, other than it's sort of a secret playground for the wealthy and elites, there's really no nexus uh, between it and Freemasonry. Um, like I said, it's 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 certainly not under the protection or, or authority of the California State Grand Lodge. I can put it to you like that. Yeah. So like one of the some there's all these conspiracy theories about the free. Some of them are just like out there. They're ridiculous. But one of the things they say is that the Freemasons exerts control over the politics, like the New World Order. And you always hear people talking about the deep state. 
Well, what is your theory on that? Do you think the Freemasons are connected to that whole thing or is that just totally separate or is it totally a hoax? And no, I, I would say my answer to that would be it, it, it was quote co-opted by the from from the Freemasons. The original deep state were the Freemasons. It was run by a guy named DeWitt Clinton, who I mentioned. Yeah. Um, you may have in your travels heard of something known as the Colombian Illuminati. Um, he was the guy who ran it. Uh, DeWitt Clinton is the guy who runs the essentially the American side of the Illuminati called the Colombian Illuminati. And uh, he is really the guy who sort of creates the deep state um, because it's because of this high degree called the Royal Arch of Enoch. And again, you have to understand what is going on in that ritual. And, and the way it worked was back in the day, it doesn't work like this anymore, was in order in order to network within masonry and within politics, you had to obtain this lost word of a master mason because the way it was set up in this country was that when you obtain this lost word, this, this word that's lost in the Blue Lodge, but discovered in the high degrees, when you find this word, what is implied with that is you are now given express warranty to rule over the masses. That was the implication with it. So it's these Royal Arch Masons under the aegis of DeWitt Clinton, under the authority of DeWitt Clinton, who is networking. And Clinton, they would have told you this was all totally benign. Um, this was a way to unify the country, to unite the Federalists with the Jeffersonian Republicans. Um, Clint, Clinton, um, you know, works hev heavily with the Federalists, but he's a Jeffersonian Republican. So Clinton and, and, and the Federalists are working behind the scenes to run the country, essentially. And this is all totally exposed in the 1820s by a guy named William Morgan. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about him because didn't he disappear? Right, right. Um, Morgan, Morgan is abducted. By the Freemasons, uh, taken over the border in Canada and disappears, is never seen from again, uh, presumed murdered or killed. And uh, because of that, there is this massive backlash against Freemasonry in the country. It all but goes under. Um, it does not. It does survive it. Um, but it survives it on the on the sort of change. It, it survives it because it changes its philosophy. Masonry, in order to survive it, 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 it was it was it was it, when it found, founds the country and up until the Morgan affair it was looked at as a patriotic order. After Morgan, it's looked at as like you said, like a deep state black magic cabal. So one of the ways Masonry distanced itself from that is it it, it it purges itself of any notion that it has anything to do with the mystery religions, hermeticism, the occult, you know, Kabbalah, uh, alchemy. It of course does, but it's it says oh you know we don't have anything to do with that you know with that we're just a charity a fraternal organization that helps widows and orphans but basically it's it's that philosophy that carries Freemasonry through the rest of the 19th century through the 20th century and it's really into the early you know 21st century with the advent of the internet um, where Masonry starts rediscovering its esoteric roots um, and and starts really kind of becoming more of you know it, it sort of right, rather than distancing uh, itself, sort of embracing its esoteric side. At least at least that's what I can tell. When I joined it in 1996, it was um, you know you know any any speak of that was oh this is just nonsense conspiracy theory. But if you start reading the people like you know Mackey, Albert Pike, Manley P. Hall, you learn that's simply not the case. Lastly, I'll just wrap up on this. Um, one of the guys who was alive during the Morgan affair was Edgar Allan Poe. And if, if you read the cast of Amontillado, that is a allegory of the Morgan affair where the guy is bricked up 
uh, the tools of Freemasonry and disappears forever. That's an allegory for the disappearance of William Morgan. Oh, interesting. And then, so what is it? Because I think uh, I read that some of the occult accusations come from this thing called the, what is it called? The Taxol hoax was an exposure of uh, by Leo Taxol intended to mock not only Freemasonry, but also the Catholic Church opposition to it. Right, right. That 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 is a well-known hoax. Um, Taxel comes along in the 18th century. It, it comes from a guy named Albert Pike. Is where this all all comes from. Pike is he he is like what he is like the favorite whipping boy of of the conspiracy uh, theorists with masonry. Um, he's not a southerner. He's a he's a what's called a copperhead. He's from Boston, Massachusetts, but he supported the Confederacy in the American Civil War. He eventually becomes the uh, sovereign grand master of the Scottish Rite. Um, and he publishes a book in 1871 called The Morals and Dogma of the Scottish Rite. Uh, the book has very little to do with Freemasonry. It's more about comparative religion and symbolism. Essentially, what Pike does is he'll, he'll get into symbolism or, or something going on in the ritual. And then he'll go back in time and say, well, you know, this this to the cult of Mithras meant this and this in the mystery school of the Egyptians meant that. And to the cult of, you know, it's just a, it's just an epic study of, of comparative religion and philosophy. Um, and on one page. He compares uh, the planet Venus to Lucifer, which is a correct comparison. And it's because of this comparison that from that point on, um, Freemasonry is devil worship. And of course, Pike never intended any of this. It's just a comparison to Venus being the sun of the morning, being false light, appearing in the eastern sky in the morning before before the true light, the sunrise, hence its association with Lucifer, false light. So... A guy comes along named Leo Taxel. It's not his real, real name. I, I can't remember what it is. And he he writes a book called The Mysteries of the Freemasons, where he accuses Pike of being in charge of this thing called the Palladian Rite, where it's further high degrees above the Scottish Rite. And at the end of the at the end of the degrees, it's revealed that uh, Satan or Lucifer is the god of Freemasonry. Um, it makes a very good bedtime story and a conspiracy theory, but uh, it's a total hoax. Um, essentially no, no one believes it in, in the 21st century anymore. Yeah. So what, the only thing I know, um, cause it, there's not a lot obviously on the internet that I could find, cause you are still a secret society, right? There's some things you can't reveal, but what I did on a uh, fine video of was a guy talking about, he left the Freemason he thought the same thing. He thought it was a cult. He thought it was against the Christian religion. He was a Christian and he said something about like, so the initiation ceremony, they put you in this robe. And there's a sword and a sword is pointed at your left breast or something. And you have to swear that you will keep everything within the lodge or something. And that like freaked him out or something. Is that kind of like the ceremony though? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's no different when, when, when I, when I joined the lodge in 1996, I had joined a fraternity house a few years earlier at Gettysburg college. Um, and coincidentally, I guess maybe not coincidentally, um, I, the lot, the lodge, the fraternity house I was in was Lambda Chi Alpha at Gettysburg College, and um, the guy at at Lambda Chi who had crafted the ritual, the initiation ritual for Lambda Chi, uh, not only was his name Mason, uh, he was actually a Freemason. Um, so I had gone through the the ritual at Lambda Chi, and and when I joined the Masonic Lodge, you know, you know, you could see where he was got inspiration from because. You know, so many of the of the of the college fraternity rituals are based on masonry, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 as you would imagine. You're you're brought into you know it's darkened. You know, I mean, this is all meant for theatrics and to you know leave a lasting impression. You know, it's candlelight. You're brought in. You're you're led around. You're blindfolded. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, it's meant to leave an impression. Um, I have talked to other people who are Christians and have said the same thing. They said, you know, I, I went through the ritual it was too esoteric for me. It was too occult and I didn't want to do anymore. Um, you know, again, you know, to each their own, what, what, whatever, um, you know, I, I know Christians who are in, in masonry who have no problem with it. In fact, in the York, right. Um, you cannot become the highest degree in the York, right. is the Knights Templar. And you can't actually join the Knights Templar unless you are a Christian. Um, that's one of the unique anomalies with Freemason with, 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 with the Knights Templar. Most of masonry is deistic. You know, you 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 just have to believe in a supreme being. Uh, the Knights Templar is an exception to that. You actually have to be a Christian exalted to the Holy Royal Arch in order to join the Templars. So again, it's just your flavor of Christianity. Some have a problem with it. Some don't. Um, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm always, and I'm just so fascinated by these secret societies. I don't know if you ever saw the Simpsons episode where the, the stone cutters, did you ever see that one? Oh yeah. I mean that, that, that song, that stone cutters song has been by bumper music on many a show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love to think that is real, that if I join the society, I can go down a secret tunnel and I don't have to go sit in traffic. I mean, that sounds amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing like that. I was on a show and, and, you know, I mean, you know, it, it's, I mean, when you join a lodge, you're going to meet a lot of eclectic people. I mean, and you know, if you need a plumber, I'm sure, or, or whatever, there might be one in your lodge who can help you out. I'm not, I'm a lawyer. I've never had any situation where like a judge was in my lodge and I had some sort of secret thing that, you know, made the case go my way. I've never had anything like that. But I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't join the lodge um, for that reason. But um, yeah, I mean, you're going to, if you, when you join, I mean, you're going to meet a lot of eclectic people. That's for certain. So what do you do you think if it's not Freemasons and maybe maybe it is or it isn't Illuminati or it's an offshoot of Illuminati? What do you think like all these giant, rich billionaire CEOs like are they in some club? Like maybe we don't even know the name of it. Maybe it's something that's so secretive that people don't even know what it's called. Yeah, I mean, I mean, th th there are there are globalist organizations. I mean, you know, you've had things like the Trilateral Commission, Skull and Bones at Yale. That's. That's an interesting one because there, like I said, there is documentation with that, that that is kind of a reinvention of the Illuminati. I mean, people have to remember the Illuminati started at a university. It was the University of Ingolstadt. And, you know, that's where Weishaupt was a professor. And of course, you, you know, Skull and Bones is at Yale. So, you know, you definitely have a parallel there. Um, and then, of course, you had this one now with like Davos, where it's kind of like almost out in the open. Um, my take on it is, I mean, I can only just give you my take is, I mean, to me, it's like a co-option. Co co uh, or it's been co-opted. That's probably the better word is, you know, masonry in the United States was, like I said, was really, you know, the Royal Archmasons were the original deep state. I mean, it, it clearly exists today. I don't think it's more tied to Mason. I don't think it's really tied to masonry anymore, but it, it's taken what masonry kind of created haphazardly and has used it, um, you know, you know, with, with, within, you know, within like cre creating like a state within a state almost. Um, I mean, I, I, sh I show in the book, I mean, without question, the Royal Arch Masons were the puppet masters of this country in the early days. Their, their power is broken. I mean, it's like the Jesuits. Their power is broken by the Napoleonic Wars. The Masonry's power is broken with the William Morgan affair. The, the, the political machine of DeWitt Clinton does survive to an extent. Um, and some people will probably know this name as well. Um, it, it morphs into something in New York called Tammany Hall, uh, which was under the protect was under the rulership of a Freemason and an odd fellow named Boss Tweed. Um, and if, if you want to kind of see that in action, go watch the movie Gangs of New York. Um, that that's kind of as close close to it as you as you probably was find will find. 
again, more of a 19th century thing. By the 20th century, it's pretty much faded. But clearly, the idea of a deep state, the Central Intelligence Agency, which was, I should point out, was essentially founded by Skull and Bones, which is a secret society. Um, you know, it, it, it's that co-option of this sort of thing that masonry created, which I think was co-opted, um, that survives to this day. Yeah. Well, then let's talk about um, we kind of move into the movies a little bit here because it's a good transition with the movie. One of my favorite movies, which I know you've talked about it, so you must enjoy it, too, is Eyes Wide Shut with Kubrick. Like I looked at that movie and I was like, wow, this is crazy. But I think when I saw it and whenever it came out in 98 or something, I just thought, oh, this is a fictional uh, kind of like interesting movie. But now I look at that stuff and I go, is that stuff real? Like, is there really parties like that where that I feel like that might there might be some truth in, in some of those things? Oh, sure. I mean, Kubrick is one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in that movie. I, probably not as much as something like The Shining and maybe some of his other stuff. Very interesting character um, Kubrick was. But yeah, when you get into Eyes Wide Shut, I mean, it, it really um, begs the question, is this some sort of documentary? I mean, it clearly, you know, there is esoteric, you know, maybe not esoteric undertones in the, in the movie. Maybe that's a better word. Where One of the things that he does that he really plays around with in this movie is the Christmas lights. Um, you know, when, whenever there's sort of this, you know, sort of, uh, you know, presented on the screen, uh, you know, whether it be pedophilia, drug addiction, alcoholism, homelessness, it's always accompanied prostitution. It's always accompanied with these really glaring, you know, glaring Christmas lights. And it's not the little white soft ones. It's, you know, the big, bright, orange, purple, red, blue ones. And what what Kubrick does there is he is subconsciously attaching this in your mind to sort of these ills that plague humanity. But then when you get to the Illuminati sort of secret society, you'll notice that all oh, the Christmas lights are gone. And that's done intentionally by Kubrick. What he's kind of trying to show you is that, you know, forget about the stuff I just showed you with the Christmas lights. This is where the real evil is, is, is with the with these, you know, secret groups working behind the scene. Um, yeah, I mean, Kubrick's into repetition. I mean, and he, he, he just can't, he just doesn't escape it. I mean, it's really in The Shining. I mean, you have repetition in, in, in Eyes Wide Shut with the red floor that resurfaces as the red bill, you know, pool table at the end. You got the women doing the magic circle, red cloak. You know, it, that's a magic ceremony he's doing. He's casting the circle left handed. He's going counterclockwise. That's known as bitter shins. That's black magic. Um, and at the end of the, at the end, when they're in the FAO Schwartz, you're going to see the game on the shelf, the magic or whatever it is, magic circle or, or something like that. Kubrick is constantly using repetition in his movies. That's an art of memory trick. Um, a mnemonic uh, repetition is one of the most common ones. Uh, so yeah, I mean, eyes wide shut. Interesting movie. Uh, this is something I'm working on in the in, in the new book. Um, there's a lot of interesting syncs uh, with with uh, with numbers and movies and curses. Um, eyes wide shut was released on July uh, 16th, 1999. Uh, that's this, and they, I believe this is linked. That's actually the same day that uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. died. Um, interestingly enough, um, so yeah, a lot of syncs with Kubrick. Very interesting character, um, and I'm a huge fan as a fan of his work. Yeah, explain this sync thing because I heard you on uh, Sam Tripoli's podcast. I think that's how I found you, which yeah. is like, I mean, he, and you guys really go into it with a deep dive with all the numbers that are connected. Um, and, and you talk about how a lot of these numbers, this, uh, originated in, uh, was it Alistair Crowley's book? Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, it, it 
really, it's really for me, for me, uh, Chuck. This is without question the most interesting thing I've ever looked at um, and have examined. Um, and it's it's a little bit of a backstory. I'll try to go go into it as brief as as briefly as I can. Um, you have to be familiar with something known as solar ages, the procession of the equinoxes, the age of Pisces, the age of Aquarius. Um, it all goes back in time, and I'm still researching this. Um, what what I've been led to believe is that there was a Native American death hex put on L. Frank Baum, who was the author of The Wizard of Oz. Um, and the reason I believe for this death curse was after the Battle of Wounded Knee, Baum, who wrote The Wizard of Oz, he wrote the novel, called for the genocide of the Native Americans. And I believe at some point in time, likely with the Cherokee, uh, maybe maybe the Navajo, a skinwalker put a death curse on him and his family. What year would this have been? This would have been like the late 1890s, early 20th century, probably okay. somewhere in there. Um, what I've led to believe, though, is what for whatever reason, this curse sort of remained inactive. It, it's dormant and it doesn't become kinetic until The Wizard of Oz is being made uh, into a the movie, movie. 3839. There's no evidence of, of anything that Baum had problems or, or any any ill thing happening with Baum or his wife or his sons. It might have caught up to his sons later on, uh, one of his sons later on, but I'm still looking at that. But um, it's really in, in 3839 that this thing comes becomes kinetic with the Wizard of Oz. Why the Wizard of Oz? This is where this thing really starts to take, you know, this really screwball uh, thing with it. There's a British occultist named Alistair Crowley who uh, in 1904 had this conversation with, with this thing called Awaz, uh, this guardian angel who predicted this thing called the Aeon of Horus. Um, and if you read Crawley, and believe me, he can be very dense, the age of Horus is synonymous with this thing called the age of Aquarius. It has to do with the sun changing houses where it's been every 2,000 years. So, for example, we, we just left Pisces, which is Christianity. The worship of the sun takes on the personality of the house it's in for the last 2,000 years. So, of course, Pisces is Christianity, you know, feet worship, feet cleaning. Pisces was the feet. Christ feeds his followers with the two fishes, fisher of men, water symbolism all, all over the place. You know, Christianity sinks with Pisces. Well, Cro Crowley gets into this and he says, well, what, what is this new age of Horus, this new age of Aquarius? What 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 is it? You know, and what's its worship and what's its God? You know, Christ was the, you know, the sun god of Pisces. What's the sun god of um, of, 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 of Aquarius? And he, he answers it. And he says the sun god of Aquarius is this thing called Baphomet. Um, it's the god of the Knights Templar. It's the goat-headed god. And he gives it a number. And he tells you how he gets its number. Um, and it's 77 um, is this thing's number. And he, he gets it through through something known as gematria, through Hebrew gematria. Um, and then he also gets another number. Um, he says this is the grand killing number. And it's the number 42. What makes those two, two numbers so unique is those two numbers are literally the Wizard of Oz. Because 42 is the rainbow, um, as in you can only see a rainbow at a 42 degree angle. And 77 is Oz. It's the name of the, is the name of the goat of Mendes. 77 in Hebrew gematria is O-Z, A-Z, he, goat, Oz. And starting in about 38, 39, you, you start having tragedies on the set of Wizard of Oz. And then you had this kind of countdown where you have these tragedies going on all the way going up to, to September 11th, which is really the main event. This is the end of Pisces, the start of Aquarius, where you see these two numbers manifesting all over the place, 77 and 42. And there's another number in there as well, 333, which is the number of this demon known as Corazon. 
very vicious. And um, when you look at it, you'll start seeing these numbers just all over the place. And I am led to believe that what Crawley was saying was correct, that this age of horse is here. And because of this death hex, which I don't think Crowley had anything to do with, that it's it's these these numbers are being used by this new god, this new sun god, to both identify itself and to demand worship. And what makes this so fascinating is Crowley actually answers that question as well. He says, what is this thing one is worship? He says it's two things. It's transgenderism and climate change. He said that's what this thing is really into. Uh, he doesn't use those words. He uses the words for transgenderism. He uses like man is woman, woman is man, epicene, bisexual. And then he gets into things with, with climate change about people being concerned about the earth on fire, uh, things of that nature. Um, and I, I'm, I, I, I'm completely convinced that starting in 38, 39, when this new age starts to come, in, to come into being with all these tragedies, whether it be the Kennedy assassination, World War II, Hiroshima, 9-11, you know, you name it, you will find a, these numbers just plastering all over the place. And it's essentially this God designated itself as, hey, I'm the new God of the age of horse, the age of Aquarius. Start worshiping me. This culminates with 9-11 and is still continuing on post 9-11. I, I think it'll go on for quite some time uh, until we really get into this age, probably another hundred years or so. Yeah. So I, I've heard you break down some of where you find the numbers. And um, the way you do it, it's interesting. Um, do you, and I know you don't want to reveal all the way, the, the methodology behind that, but is oh, it- I could do that. Oh. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Ask your question though. No, I was just going to say like, is it statistically significant? Like do you plug in other numbers to that methodology and like, like my, my birthday, 16, would you put 16 and try this methodology and go, okay, well, 16 only shows up like four times, but the other ones, the um, 77 and 42 are much more so than 16 or or 9 or uh, 14 or whatever right the, the way the way my methodology for doing it is you look at the event and a lot of times the number will just stand out i mean the number will just stand out um i mean those numbers will just stand out you, you really don't have to i mean they're just there um you use things like gematria people's names um the you know the the, the titles of things dates will, will produce these numbers um, there's four methods of gematria, ordinal, reverse ordinal, Pythagorean reduction, and reverse Pythagorean reduction. All four of those are legitimate. They're, they're very easy to explain. Ordinal is A is A is 1, B is 2, Y is 25, Z is 26. Reverse ordinal is just that backwards where A is 26, B is 25, Z would be 1. And then you get into the Pythagorean method where A, where the first nine num for the first line, the first nine letters stay the same. So A is one, B is two. Uh, you get all the way up to J, which is 10. Under ordinal, J stays as 10, but in Pythagorean, J becomes one. It goes back to one because it's 10, one plus zero. So one plus zero is one. So J becomes one again. M, which is 13, would become four. So that's the way uh, Pythagorean reduction works. Reverse Pythagorean is just it backwards. So um, instead of A being one, A would be 26. Two plus six is eight. So so A is eight. That's the way that would work. And you could just take um, numbers. You can take. You can look at events. You can look at dates. And again, um, the the one thing that that is unique is um, when you look at it and, and you want to examine it. Um, these numbers will be there. If they're if they're not there, it's not linked. Um, I mean, if it's it's that simple, uh, Chuck. If the numbers aren't there, it's not linked. But when you look at 
um, something like the Murrah Building or Columbine or 9-11 or World War One, um, Pearl Harbor. I mean, those numbers are, you know, predominant. You can get it through the dates. You can get it through the names of things. I mean, like, for example, um, I mean, I had, I'd have to pull the pull, pull the document up because I, I can't remember it. But I think it's, if you use the Pythagorean method, the, the name, The Wizard of Oz, the title of the movie, the title of the book, has a value of 77. Um, you know, Over the Rainbow has a value of 77. So when you start plugging it in, these numbers will start hitting a lot. And that's when you know you're on the right track. And you, so what is the theory behind this entity or a a demon or whatever it is, uh, is using these numbers to kind of like what wink at us or to kind of like, kind of like tease us or taunt us, or why doesn't it just show itself in another form and rise or can it not, does not have the power to do that? Or, or what is the the theory behind that? This is, this is the way it's doing it. This is the way it's using these numbers because the numbers, the number is a number and it can't be argued with. Um, and it's using these numbers to, to designate itself. That's the best way I can do it. To describe it. It's using its numbers to, to designate itself, to identify itself, to let it's, to let you know it's here. Um, the one thing, if you read Crawley, um, uh, and he gets into this, I mean, like I said, read, you know, when, when, when this thing was dictated to him by this Holy guardian angel, Awas, I mean, the one thing he, he says is, you know, that this, you know, why, why is these. Why is this number always associated with like bloodshed and tragedy? Um, and he answers that question in, in the book of the law. It said this new God um, is a bloodthirsty monster, essentially. So it's no wonder. I mean, one of the things he says is it, it'll give humankind a war machine. This has been interpreted as the nuclear bomb. And again, um, what 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 I, I believe is it, it's it's these numbers that pop up in these or turn up in these tragedies starting around 38, 39 with the wizard of Oz, um, you know, being made and it continues on and it continues all the way up to nine 11. And it has been continuing on post nine 11. I think it will continue on until we are well out of Pisces and this thing gets its worship proper. Otherwise I think this thing's going to start, you know, keep killing people. And like, like I said, I, I'm still looking at this cause you, you know, it's still playing out, but I guarantee you, um, that the Israeli conflict will have these numbers in it. The Ukrainian conflict clearly will. Um, the one that we just had um, in, in Lewiston, Maine, 42 and 77 are all over the place on, on that thing. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 it's the way of saying, hey, you know, I'm here. I'm kind of the spiritual force behind these things. Well, and you said, um, this is interesting because, you tie Kobe Bryant's death into some of this too. Now, why him? Absolutely. Was he interested in the occult, or why? Why was he a victim of this? It's 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 it, it's not. I don't think I don't think it's you. It, it's him being involved with the cult. It's numbers that that this thing is a numbered based. This 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 curse that I believe originated with the Native Americans. This is almost like a side effect of this curse, and like I said. The, it, it, what makes this thing so unique is that it latched on to Crowley's Gematria with these two numbers, 77 and 42, which are the Wizard of Oz, which is bound stories. Um, it, it revolves around numbers more than anything else. The thing that I find is if people, if, if a person has these numbers around them, it's not good. Um, and with Kobe Bryant, these number, these two numbers, 77 and 42, are all over the place. Kubrick as well. I mean, you know, I, I can I can put this thing around Kubrick. I can put it around Michael Jackson. I can put it around um, 
Robin Williams. I can put it around Lady Diana. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the numbers are what's dooming the person. And the best way I can describe it to you is, for me, it's like watching a lottery drawing. It's like if one, one number pops up, eh, not so great. Two numbers pop up, eh, you know, you're maybe okay. Three numbers pop up, well, you better start worrying. Four numbers pop up, you're not good. And if that fifth number pops up, I mean, you're dead. Um, I mean, and that's the way this thing works. Um, so, so if you won the lottery and the numbers were like 77s and 42s, you should get rid of the money because give it to me, right? Because well, it's cursed. Well, or... well uh, you know, you know it, it, it's funny you mention that. It's funny you mention that because it, 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 it's not necessarily, I mean, you know, I, it's like, like I said, if you're, if you're a fan, the one thing that the, let me say this and I'll tell two stories on this. There's one thing I left out on all of this. Um, and this is what makes this death hex and this thing utterly macabre. And it's the most macabre thing I've ever looked at. When you look at all these tragedies, whatever it is, there's always some latent Wizard of Oz reference in there, whether it be Columbine or the Murrah building or 9-11. There's always this hidden little Wizard of Oz citation in there, whether it's to Ruby or you know Ruby Ridge, Jack Ruby. There will always be some sort of allusion to either the Ruby Slippers, Yellow Brick Road, Wizard of Oz. There's always some little latent Wizard of Oz citation in there that makes this thing really morbid. And didn't um, Kobe Bryant dress as Wizard of Oz for his last Halloween? Right. I mean, this is what I was got into with Sam. I, I said, when I was looking at the Kobe Bryant stuff, you know, you'll see the number 77 all over the place. You'll see the number 42. But I'm thinking to myself, well, there can't possibly be a Kobe Bryant Wizard of Oz reference in here. I Googled Kobe Bryant Wizard of Oz. And sure enough, at his last Halloween, him and his family costumed as the Wizard of Oz characters. Not good. Um, very bad. Um, so, you know, it, that, that would be like the fifth lottery ball, as it were. were. And then, of course, the helicopter that he was on, I, you know, it, I'd have to go look this up. I'd have to pull it up again. But the number 77 was all around that. And he died like seven months before his 42nd birthday. So, I mean, there's number 42. Oh. It's this kill curse. The, Crowley identifies this thing. He calls it the dark mother. This is the the, the number 42. This is the like the kill number of this thing. Um, and it's linked to 77 through the Wizard of Oz. Um, it was funny, you know, and, and I'll mention this. Um, if you like The Wizard of Oz and you like listening to the soundtrack, I mean, I have the movie here on Blu-ray. I mean, you don't have to throw it away. I mean, if you have a cookie man, you know, a tin man cookie jar in your kitchen or a Wicked Witch cookie jar, you don't have to get rid of it. It doesn't seem to operate like that. It's more on numbers. I remember, and this is a true story. This was about six months, probably less than that, probably about four months ago, maybe three I was driving my car and I was driving to work and it was either Monday or Wednesday morning and I was approaching the railroad track and, the, and I had to cross a railroad, uh, the light rail where, where, on my way to work. And the thing comes down, you know, the thing because the train's going to go by it. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself just about looking at some of these numbers. I remember saying to myself, you know, if I'm on the right track here, you know, give me a sign. You know, let, let me know, you know, that I'm on the right track with these numbers, with this death hex. If not, you know, don't give me a sign. Uh, Chuck, and this is a true story. I'll swear to this on a stack of Bibles. I look up and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I had the radio on, but it was turned on. Like I said, the train's whizzing by. I look up and there's a truck in front of me. It's a license plate expired in July. I'm here in Maryland. So I have a red seven in front of me for July it expired like in 2000, you know, 25, two plus five is seven. And then it's, it's license plate number. And I'm not making this up. You ready for this? was 077777 was its license plate number. Wow. And I thought, well, if, if that's ever a sign that I'm on the right track, that was it. 
That's crazy. So what about um, the Wizard of Oz stuff is so fascinating. What about that whole Wizard of Oz, Pink Floyd, the wall synchronicity thing? Is that part of this whole or is that just a totally different coincidence? No, I, I don't think it is at all. There, there are things that carry this death hex forward. Um, and I don't think it, it's, you know, you know, it's it's like a subconscious thing. Um, the thing with Dark Side of the Moon with Pink Floyd, what makes that interesting is um, if you look at the cover of the album, it's the rainbow, of course. 42, that's the rainbow, perception of the rainbow. Um, Dark Side of the Moon is 42 minutes long. I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. And of course, the idea is if you sync this to the third, third lion roar of the MGM and you sync this soundtrack to The Wizard of Oz, it releases, you know, it, it reveals it's like, you know, occult secrets. Um, I've never tried it. I should try it. Um, I've talked to people who have done it and say, yeah, it works perfectly. I've talked to other people who said, ah, not so much. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you will find, um, this this thing you know centering around things that you know anything that's you know can be wizard of oz related yeah i mean you know you you will find inevitably um possibly you know this the the this uh hex hexa related to it the one the one that was real interesting was um the one the the um the other one that's real fascinating was uh it's the um oh, what's the name of that band um ELO electric light orchestra they have a a record out called el dorado um, you know, the yellow brick road, the yellow road, the golden road, I guess it would be. And on the album cover is the scene where Dorothy is captured by the Wicked Witch and she's in the tower and the Wicked Witch is trying to get the ruby slippers and she gets the lightning zap. You know, she gets zapped by, by the slippers. Um, that's the album cover. What makes this interesting is a couple things is that album was used as a soundtrack to the Kenneth Anger movie when it was re-released, which was um, the one with... Uh, marley cameron uh what's that movie um the one she was jack parson's girlfriend the, this is the whole alistair crowley Thelema movie um oh what's what's the name of that movie hang on let me pull this up um Wait, which who's it starring uh marjorie cameron um she was jack parson's girlfriend um cameron i'm not sure if i know that one um she's in the kenneth anger movie inauguration of the pleasure dome uh, that that's oh. the one. Was it? Um, it wasn't Scientology. Um, yeah, I think it was. I think it was inauguration of the Pleasure Dome that that was used as a soundtrack. But but what makes that so unique is um, that that move that soundtrack that image on um, on the um, on that album cover of of the Wicked Witch getting zapped. That is exactly the seventy seventh minute of the movie. And if you have the Blu Ray. Um, which I do, it's scene 42 of all things. Um, so again, you know, you know, here are these numbers turning up related to the Wizard of Oz, sort of perpetuating this hex into modernity. So with the 666, that's a different thing. That's not related to this uh, curse or hex. No. Well, well, the, the problem I have with 666 is that's really in antiquity, the number of the sun. Um, that's co-opted in the Book of Revelation. Um, six, six, you say six, six, six to me. That's the number of the sun. Um, that's the summer of the ma magic cube. The sun's magic cube. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into six, six, six. If you, if you read Crawley, what, what Crawley does is, he, he, he. If, if you look at like the number seven in the Bible and Islam, that's the high holy number is seven. I mean, that's irrefutable. 
Crawley, when he writes his works, after he gets this message from Awaz, he creates a new system of gematry and a new system of numbers. And he says, everything you knew before that's in the Bible, you can throw that out. He's like, that's the old age of Pisces. You can get rid of that. He said, I'm, you know, this is the new system for this age of Horus, this age of Aquarius. If you read his work, um, I mean, here's the book. I mean, this is the one you want to take a look at. Uh, this is 777 and other Kabbalistic writings of Aleister Crowley. He gives you a new numeric system. And he says, he says for the age of Horus, he said, e seven is thoroughly evil. 77 is the goat of Mendez, you know, you know, sort of this bloodthirsty solar godhead. And 777 is thoroughly evil. Um, 42 is the death hex. 333 is this demon Corazon. I mean, he gets into other numbers as well. Another major number, and this is 418. That's Abrahadabra. That's the magic word of the new age. Uh, 156 is the whore of Babylon. So, um, and, and what, what he specifically says, he says, this is, this, these numbers are important post-1904. Before 1904, I don't care. This is all post-1904 for this new age of Horus, this new age of Aquarius. And how did he get this information? He he did some sort of ritual or something like that, or right, right. That that's right. He he goes to Egypt with his wife, um, and he he had adopted the number six 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 as himself. And and if you read Crowley again, he identifies it with the sun. Um, he he thought it was he 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 and he did his astrology. And when he was born, I think the moon or something, the sun may have been ascendant in Leo. He saw the Leo the lion as the beast of revelation the, you know leo is the soul house of the sun sun is 666 he goes to egypt with his wife they go into the pyramids his wife rose knew nothing about the occult and he starts uh getting she starts talking to him about how he's offended horus and you know he he needs to go to this museum he goes to this museum he sees this thing uh called the called the engraving or the stele of revelation it's the sun god horus it's number 666 he identifies it with the sun with himself and he goes back to his wife and she says, you got to do these rituals. You were doing them wrong, do them this way. And he does it. And, and finally, she says, if you go into your study for these three days, I think it's April like 10th, 11th, 12th. I'd have to look. I have the book right here. You're going to you're going to encounter this 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 guardian angel of yours that you were trying to summon at Boliskin House a few years earlier. And it identifies itself as AWAS and it dictates to him this thing called the Book of the Law, uh, Liber LV Legis. And this is sort of the mantra, the Thelemic mantra of the new age. Um, do what thou wilt, which is a numbered value is 93. That's Awas's number also is 93. And this is going to be the mantra through the whole age for this new age. Um, and he gets in there and he said, if you read the book, he says, Crowley says, some of this stuff is prophecy. He says, you know, I, I don't know what it means. He said, I'm writing it in, it's being dictated in, in 1904. But when you read it, I mean, yeah, you could definitely see some prophetic vision in there. He mentions things about twins. You think twin towers. Um, he mentioned something called R.P. Stovall. Um, this is thought to relate to Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, he relates. He talks about um, uh, there's a couple other things in there. It's just escaping me right now. But he says, if you read this, keep it, you know, look at it as a book of prophecy. Um, and again, this is the, sort of the, uh, the 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 the, you know, Bible of the New Age. Um, from there on out, Crowley spends the rest of his life creating things for this new age. Um, he writes, he, he invents a tarot deck um, for this new age called the, you know, the Egyptian tarot deck. He writes a book about how to interpret this tarot deck called the Book of Thoth. He creates a geometria for this uh, system, for this new age, which I just held up the book. 
Um, and he, 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 he analyzes stuff and it's very complex. Uh, people have been oftentimes kind of ignored when they talk about Crowley. They like to talk about the things he did. If you really sit down and read this guy, what makes it really interesting now, looking back 100 years later, I mean, everything he was talking about is playing out. Um, I mean, everything he talked about is, is happening or is ha or has happened. Um, so this guy really must have been in touch with some dark force here. Um, and I don't think the guy was a fraud at all. I, th I think this guy was some sort of prophet of some kind. And, and like I said, you know, everything he was talking about is now playing out right before our very eyes. It's amazing. So what do you think of uh, Anton LaVey? And he, I think he founded the Church of Satan. Was he uh, using Crowley's work as a springboard or is it totally unrelated? No, it's probably totally unrelated. If you read LaVey, he wasn't impressed by Crowley. Um, he, 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 didn't, he didn't think much of Crowley. Um, LaVey, LaVey is a bit of a huckster. He's a bit of a showman. Um, I, I, you know, the, the church, the, the, the big issue with the church, well, I mean, not the big issue. I mean, it, it, it's LaVey was kind of like Crowley in the aspect is neither one of them believed in the devil. I mean, I know that may sound funny to hear, but what LaVey basically was using Lucifer and, and the devil as a symbol of rebellion. Um, I mean, it was essentially, uh, you know, a, a sort of a church of, uh, um, you know, you know, a, a people to explore things that society considered taboo. Um, so in that aspect, they just used Lucifer or Satan as an emblem of rebellion. Um, uh, the, the, the book that LeVay wrote, the, the first one, the Satanic Bible, is based heavily, it's plagiarized um, by a book called uh, Might is Right by a guy who wrote um, anonymously or used a pen name called Ragnar Redbeard. Um, if you read that, you're going to see a lot of stuff that LeVay plagiarized. There was a guy in the Church of Satan who kind of punked out LeVay in this in the 1970s called Michael Aquino. And uh, he he created he he was in the Church of State Satan. He said he came out and said LeVay was a fraud, had plagiarized all this stuff, and he creates this thing called the Temple of Set, which he says is, you know, quote unquote, the real, you know, satanic worship. Aquino's an interesting character because he was a, I think a colonel or something in the United States military. And he, he is the guy who always, you know, for there being sort of the satanic cabal in the United States government, Aquino is the guy they always turn to uh, uh, with that. Um, and Aquino is also, he did a lot of interviews in the late 70s and early 80s. By then, LaVey had kind of gotten out of it and was more, you know, kind of just almost semi-retired. And Aquino was the guy who spawned the thing called the satanic panic of the 1980s, where um, people were believing or not believing or, or you know, having these memories that there were these roaming, uh, you know, cults of Satanists abducting children, performing blood rituals, whether it was true or not is debatable. Uh, but Aquino was always kind of sort of credited, not intentionally, but sort of being the force behind that, um, you know, because of this temple is set. If you want to see that in a movie, go watch. Uh, there was a movie that Ty West did, I think, in 2009 called house of the devil they they, they delve into that movie oh delves. yeah that's a good one yeah that's a very good movie that delves into that um so no that's sort of my take on levee I, I have a lot of his literature here um the, I, my, my favorite book by him that, that i use actually in, in my work of fiction that i kind of not used in but kind of i i modeled i, I used his philosophy as a book i mean his two main books that he wrote was the satanic bible and the satanic rituals he wrote another book that people are are lesser known that's lesser known called um the complete at which or what to do when virtue fails. This is probably kind of, you know, this is where he gets into like how a witch should dress, how she should behave, how she should costume herself. Um, I kind of use that when I was writing a pack with the devil 
kind of like, you know, kind of reading that of how a witch behaved, stuff like that. Um, that's kind of, you know, I use that as sort of inspiration when I was doing my work of fiction. So, I mean, LeVay is not without warrant. Um, but no, the Church of Satan, you know, like I said, when LeVay found it, it was more probably for showmanship than anything else. I mean, it drew, it drew big people to him. I mean, Jane Mansfield, Sammy Davis Jr., um, you know, so so certainly LeVay got a lot of attention out of it. Is there somebody now that's kind of the modern version of these guys that's that's alive right now that's writing books and uh, speaking about these things? Well, you know, I'd had, you'd have to go look up and see who I, I believe one of LeVay's daughters is running the Church of Satan now. I, I can't remember which one. Um, I mean, it's still active. I mean, it's still alive and kicking. Um, I mean, it's not defunct. I don't think it's in San Francisco anymore, which is where it was originally headquartered. I think it's in New York now, but I mean, it, it's still an active, you know, church. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you're so inclined, you can still join the Church of Satan to this very day. Like I said, I, I believe it's run by one of LeVay's, you know, daughters, I believe, or maybe granddaughters at this point. I don't know. Um, but it's it's still an active, you know, organization. So do you think some of that, like you said, is it just kind of uh, to explore things that are taboo in society and to kind of do the opposite of the Christian church? Or do you think some of that stuff is real with the occult? I mean, because you seem to be a believer in this hex, so. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think the hex is related to the Church of Satan. If that's what you're asking me, I don't, I don't see any. Yeah. Any, so, no, but I, I mean, I you do believe in some of this occult stuff is real, but the Church of Satan might be just a fraud kind of thing. Well, right. I mean, you would have to show me the number seventy-seven and forty-two around this thing. Um, I mean, that, that that's the, that's the tell. Um, that that's the tell on this thing is 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 you know it, until I start seeing these numbers around this thing, it you know I mean not not every catastrophe is possibly related to this thing. I have to see those numbers to link it in, uh, to, to, you know, it, it's a couple of things you have to look for. Um, but like I said, until, until I would have to see, but, but the church of Satan isn't, you know, a catastrophe. I mean, it, it, it centers around bloodletting, um, is, is what this thing, anytime there's people dying, especially children, that's where you want to look for these numbers. Yeah. Well, that that's a good transition to the, my next question. So explain my audience. This is really fascinating. The connection. We talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant, what about Michael Jackson? Because you said that he went to a psychic and the psychic misinterpreted this and said, the number 77 is good and you should use it more. Right. This is true. It starts with Jackson. I mean, I got to pull up my book for this. I got to pull up my notes because I'll never be able to remember, remember <laughs> okay. all this. So let me just open the word document here. Uh, let's see here. Pull yeah. Cause this was, I found this part really fascinating. I mean, there is a lot of these connections, but that one especially was interesting because if there is some sort of occult thing that, that he could have opened up a door by going to that psychic, it's kind of interesting. Hang on, here we go. Let me just but what a bad psychic to tell him to use it more. <laughs> she well, must right. Have... I mean, well, here, I mean, here's, here's what, I mean, like I said, it, it's some of this stuff. And what I, what I need to stretch is some of this stuff is inadvertent. That's the thing. It's beyond your control. Like, so for example, the name Mike, I mean, his full name is Michael Joseph Jackson. Uh, Michael seven letters, Joseph seven letters, Jackson seven letters. So we're dealing with seven seven seven. Well, if you read Crowley, that's the evil forces of the Kabbalah Marshal. Um, that's thoroughly evil is seven seven seven. So I mean, his name alone is not good. Um, what makes this really really strange is um, it's it's his name. It's it's if you if you his name Michael Joseph Jackson in Gematria has a reverse ordinal value of three hundred forty three. Okay, that's seven cubed. That's astounding. Um, he is born on August 29th, 1958. That's nearly 19 years to the date of the Wizard of Oz's release 
1939, plus four days. So he, his birthday almost syncs with the release, release of the word Wizard of Oz. Um, he is involved with the Wizard of Oz. Again, remember, we have to have a Wizard of Oz illusion here or it doesn't work. And of course, he plays the Scarecrow in 1979's, excuse me, 1978's The Wiz, um, which is a black, 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 black exploitation pastiche of the Wizard of Oz. Uh, he plays the Scarecrow in that. If, if you if you apply the word Scarecrow to Pythagorean reduction in Dramatria, you get the number 42. I mean, there's the Dark Mother. There's there's the Death Hex. Um, if we if we move along, let's see here. Um, I mean, again, you're going to find the number seven you know, all over this guy's life. I mean, uh, and 42, uh, let's see here. Um, right. Uh, his album off the wall has a 42 minute runtime plus 37 seconds. Uh, thriller has a 42 minute runtime, 16 seconds. So, I mean, this is, these are bad numbers, probably not aware he was doing this. And that's why I said, it's probably inadvertent. Kubrick was the same way. So was, uh, Robin Williams. And so was Kobe Bryant. Um, his two, his two, we got 77, he had two, um, his number ones, his two longest number ones were Billy Jean in 1982 and Black or White, which is 91, who are both at the top of the charts for seven weeks, 7-7. Seven, seven. Neverland Ranch has a value of 77 using Pythagorean reduction, and its address is 5225 Ferguson, uh, Fergaroa Mountain Road, 5225, 5 plus 2, 7, 25, 2 plus 5, 7, 77. Not good. Um, in the late 80s, early 90s, Jackson was beginning to figure this out. This is when he was beginning to have financial problems and the stuff with pedophilia um, was beginning to surface. And he went to a psychic and they were using the old biblical Piscean take on this, that seven was a positive number. And again, if you look at the Bible and you look at Islam, seven is the high holy number, not so much in the age of Horus. And again, that's what we're into now. So the psychic gave him some bad advice because if you look at like the history album, he's got the 777 armband one. Uh, his network uh, newsletter was Network 7. Um, you, you'll find the number seven on the Dangerous LP on a hat that, that the one little kid is wearing. Um, Dangerous, by the way, has a 77-minute runtime. He wore on 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 he had he wore during his concert the history concert. He had metallic leg guards. Each one had a number seven on it. 77. Um, if you watch the move or the video scream, he wears the number seven, uh, on his black, uh, vinyl bodysuit, uh, blood on the dance floor, floor album. He's forming the number seven. Um, and then again, you know, whether, whether this was conscious or subconscious, again, this is just, you know, this death hex striking. He signed his last will and Testament on July 7th, 77. His televised funeral was seven years later on seven, seven Oh nine. Again, this is all death hex numbers. Very, very bad. Uh, he died in, uh, oh, on June 13th, 2005. Uh, that's a day with 42, a value using reverse Pythagorean reduction. He was found not guilty on the 14 counts, 14, 7 plus 7. Uh, let's see here. Um, he died um, in, in in a mansion in, in the Homebly Hills neighborhood with a zip code of 90077 and an area code of 424, uh, 42 again. Um, and he died. Let's see here. There was one other thing that was screwy with him. Uh, I'm not seeing it. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, there's that's a lot Michael there. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, sure. that's Michael Jackson with these numbers that are just kill you. I mean, the, the, the you know, I mean, if, if you have these numbers around you, I mean, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're dead. Um, Michael Jackson's final LP was released on October 3rd. I mean, 
I'll, what you'll find in a lot with this Dex he Death Hex a lot also is, and this is another fascinating aspect, is you're going to find overlap. Um, you'll find one uh, tragedy and you'll find a tie-in to another tragedy. Like, like, for example, with the Kennedy assassination, you will inevitably find a nexus to 9-11 uh, or something. Same thing with uh, Michael Jackson. On 9-11, which was you know, obviously September 11, 2001, um, it was 49 days later, which is seven squared, on uh, October 30th, which was my 30th birthday, uh, which, which is he released his final album called uh, Invincible. And Invincible has a 77-minute runtime. Uh, very bad. I mean, you know, this is just all huh. 77s. This is all 42s. That's the kill number. Um, and it's no wonder this guy is pushing up daisies, daisies at this point. Um, so, yeah. And then and, and another another uh, curse number, this doesn't really have to do with um, with um, with Crowley, but but this comes from the Middle East, is, is it's what's called the Curse of 39. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. No. Uh, you, you have or have not? No, I've not heard of that. Oh, okay, well, the, the, in the Middle East, there's a thing called the Curse of Thirty Nine, um, which is which is never any good. If if if, if, if it, it revolves around the number thirty nine, and if, if if the curse hits you, it has to do with you being famous, and a tragedy will strike you. And of course, with the Wizard of Oz, uh, the the Wizard of Oz was published in 1900, and the movie was released in 1939, 39 years later. Um, Michael Jackson. Um, one held 39 Guinness world records. Um, so again, we have the curse of 39 there. Um, what, what, what there's an interesting sync with this is um, if you ever seen the movie, the exorcist. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with Linda Blair, if you ever been to the, to the steps in Georgetown, they were originally called the Hitchcock steps. Um, they were, they're now called the exorcist steps, but up until the movie came out, they were called the Hitchcock steps. Um, and why were they called the Hitchcock steps? Uh, Hitchcock had an espionage thriller called the 39 steps. Um, and, and that's how they got their name just as a reference. Of course, the exorcist is the heart you know, is the scariest movie ever made. And that's because it has baphometic energy in it. What do I mean? Um, well, as you would probably agree with me, the staircase is a character in the movie, uh, right there in Georgetown in between prospect and M. And of course the steps have what else? 75 steps and two landings. 75 plus two is 77. Um, so, you know, again, this is, you know, investing these, this movie with this bleak, you know, terrifying baphometic energies coming from the goat of Mendez. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, this, this to me is, is the subject matter is a big portion of my next book. And uh, for me, Chuck, uh, you know, this is uh, without question, one of the most interesting things I've ever looked at. Yeah. Well, what about, I know that um, we can't break down all the movies that you talk about. People got to get the books, but can you just explain a little bit about the movie Lost Highway by David Lynch? I don't know if that's which book, if that's in the next one, or if you've already written about that, because that was such yeah, I mean, a bizarre I, movie. Is there what is going on in there? There's some symbol symbolism there. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean that's a movie I broke down in the second book. Yeah, I mean, I mean when you're dealing with Lynch, I mean I wouldn't have time to get into it all right now, but when you're dealing with Lynch, you are dealing with heavy, heavy lifting. Um, I mean, without question, his movies. When I analyze one of his movies, it usually takes up a huge portion of the book. I mean, I did in Cinema Symbolism a three. I did Twin Peaks, um, and that was the whole TV series and, and whatever was the one movie, and then the new show. Uh, I mean, that just took forever. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lost Lost Highway. Uh, um, I mean, it has to do with a, a lot of what Lost Highway revolves around is what's known as negative theology, uh, and that is kind of 
it's hard to explain, and I'll try to do it real, real quickly. It's, it's, it's. You become. It, it has to do with becoming. It's like act. It, it ties into Gnosticism, but it, it's ultimately a theology that you can obtain divinity by doing, by becoming like anti-God, by doing the opposite of God, you become like God because you can't know God if you do opposite of God. It, you become like God, and this is sort of what Lost Highway revolves around because you have the guy, the Bill. The Bill Pullman character at the beginning, Freddie, I, th- I think it is, or 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 or, or, or what it, whatever it is, I, I can't remember. Let me let me pull up the movie just so I can get these characters correct. Hang on one second. Yeah, because that movie was so. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah. boy, it's so. And then I, I, the, I took, yeah, I the took, actor in it is a. Uh, I mean, what's that guy? The the famous actor in it that end up literally killing his wife in real life. So, yeah, Robert Robert Blake was the. Yeah, mystery. he's so creepy in that movie. Yeah, it, it, it's. It's Pullman played Fred Madison, and he's a jerk. Okay. I mean, he's the guy who kills his wife, but yeah. then he goes to jail and he morphs into this guy named Pete Dayton. And, and the idea is, it's like I said, it's it's really a, an explanation of negative theology. It's by being a jerk and be being a monster, he actually morphs into this very cool person, um, Pete. So it's the idea of negative theology. Um, you'll find it in the work in, in the philosophical works of this book uh, called uh, the the works of uh, the pseudo Dionysius. Um, it's part of the lost teachings of Christianity. But in in Lynch, yeah, you you are inevitably whatever it is, whether it's Blue Velvet or Lost Highway, um, Twin Peaks, Eraserhead, you are always dealing with these heavy, heavy lifting of of Gnostic, you know, theological undercurrents that are highly, highly complex. Hmm. And so, what do you think all this stuff? means like is there something that we should be doing to fight this stuff or is it just to recognize it and uh, respect it or well yeah i mean i mean it, it it depends on how it's being used there's no one answer to this um i mean i would always say you know yeah be conscious of it but i mean i, I don't because because a director decides to encode latent occult undercurrents that doesn't make it evil per se um you know at least in my opinion and i mean it could be um, but, you know, again, you just have to look at each individual movie and just analyze it. I mean, one, one I mean, movies that, you know, like two movies, I and mean, we won't have time to get into it, that are just overwrought with a lot of occult, esoteric themes, symbolisms. I mean, are like Kubrick's The Shining, Black Swan by Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky is constantly overloading his films with, with stuff. Um, Ari Aster, the same thing. Um, you know, but again, um, just because it, 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 it's mystical in nature, in my opinion, that doesn't mean it gets a negative attribute um, or could be negative. It can be. But again, it, each movie has to be looked at, in my opinion, in an individual case study. OK, awesome. Well, yeah. And there's uh, three uh, cinema books that you have out and a fourth one is coming. Correct. There's cinema symbolism one, two and three. They're out. Um, part four is being worked on right now. Uh, four probably won't be out. Well, it won't be out until 2025. And the reason I could say that is. Number one is this is incredible. This this death curse thing is incredibly heavy lifting material. Number two is there's a movie I want to see before I, I put it out. The first movie was overloaded with stuff. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, Joker movie with Joaquin mm. Phoenix. Um, part two of that with Lady Gaga is coming out, I believe, in October, like 11 months away. Uh, the first movie had all, all sorts of interesting imagery in it. Um, part two, I suspect, will as well. So I'm not going to release anything until after I see that. So right now I'm targeting probably like you know, like a spring 2025 uh, release for Cinema Symbolism 4. 
Okay, great. Well, you'll have to come back on the show and uh, we can talk more because there's obviously a lot to discuss here. So I appreciate you coming on. Anything else you want to promote here? Yeah, no, I'll just hang on one second. Let me just close this out. Um, Yeah, no, I just say, Chuck, you know, thanks again for having me on your podcast. It was my pleasure to be here. I'll just conclude by uh, saying if you're interested in me um, and interesting what I had to say, just visit my website. Excuse me. Visit my website. It's very easy to find. It's very easy to navigate. My website is my name. My name is Robert W. Sullivan IV. I'll put it in the show notes and then people could just click it. Fair enough. Fair enough. There's links there about me, where to buy the book, links to buy the book. Podcasts such as this will be posted in the blog and the media and press section. So, you know, check back. It's constantly being updated. And uh, yeah, if it's in the the notes, you can find it there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you, Chuck. It was my pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the full podcast episode. Please help support our guests by following them on social media and purchasing their products, whether it be a book, album, film, or other thing. And if you have a few extra dollars, please consider donating it to their favorite charity. If you want to support the show, you can like, share, and comment on this episode on social media and YouTube. And if you want to go the extra mile, you can give us a rating or review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Finally, make sure you're subscribed to the show on YouTube for the video versions and other exclusive content. We appreciate your support. Have a great rest of your day and shoot for the moon.